Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new bracket America. America. Soccer new. Featuring person Talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode number 111 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. Hello! This week we'll be talking about matches stretching from Friday through Thursday. That's November 25th, the day after American Thanksgiving through December 1st. Proudly, we pardoned absolutely no turkeys here. Why? Well, because if turkeys had opposable thumbs and weight advantage on humans... They would eat us, so we make no apologies about enjoying them. Now, weekly on this program, we preview league. Yes, leagues are still going on, and tournament matches from around the globe. Every single match preview we do, whether it's from a place big or small, it's really darn important where it's being played. That allows us to cover uh, continental confederations, leagues, and tournaments that you both know and many with which you might be less familiar. And that's what makes this so much fun for us. So with no further ado, let's dig right in with... Match number one! Our first mini-match preview was going to be the Friday match from the World Cup, naturally, between USA and England. But because of the holidays and some change in travel plans that our family had, me and person, were not available to get the podcast out quite in time for that. So instead of giving you a preview after the fact, we feel like it's never too early for a dance dance break. Do you have any idea who Benny Hill is? No. I barely do. He's British comedian. Cool. And you recognize the music, right? Yeah. That's pretty weird that you know that. Mm. Match number B. Alrighty, I feel good and limbered up, and now we're ready to do a real mini-match preview. We move on to our second one from Saturday, another World Cup group stage match. And by the way, you did hear right. Match number B, replace number you know what in your lives with that. It's uncouth. It's bathroom talk. Match number B, join us in a revolution and listen to it in action. Match number B, the most intriguing one to us from the World Cup outside of anything that the U.S. was going to be involved in from our perspective. Number B in one of the groups, Poland, taking on surprise. Number one, Saudi Arabia. 8 a.m., Fox Sports 1 and Telemundo. By the way, that time is Eastern time, as will all the show's uh, times be for this episode. Poland, they're known as the Ingles. Eagles and ranked number 26 by FIFA in the world. Now that sounds pretty good, and it is, but do bear in mind that it is the lowest of the ranks of the 13 European teams that made it to the tournament. They were drawn out of pot number three of the four pots in determining who was going to be playing 
in which group. And therefore, the prediction is on paper, at least, that they will not advance and will finish in third. So right now, they're still ahead of that curve. In their first match, they managed a nil-nil draw against Mexico. The big play of the match, unfortunately for the Eagles, was Ochoa, the goalkeeper for Mexico, making a huge penalty kick save against the mighty Robert Lewandowski. Now, uh, right now, by the way, Poland lead Mexico on fair play points. They are tied on all the other tiebreakers. They've had one fewer yellow. The odds of this coming into play are incredibly slim. For the qualification, how they got here, they finished in second place in their group of six. They finished six points behind England and two ahead of Albania. And then they had to survive a four-team uh, playoff round, but they got a walkover in the first of those would-be games. It was to have been against Russia. Obviously, they've been suspended by uh, both FIFA and UEFA. And then they beat Sweden 2-0 in that playoff round final to get here. Their best World Cup finishes, they've finished as high as third place before. You've got ways to go back to find that, though. 1974 and 1982 were the two times. 2018, the last World Cup, they made the group stage, and they had missed the three World Cups prior to that. As far as European competition, the Euros or European Championships, they made the group stage in 2020. They made the quarterfinals in 2016. I believe that might be the best that they've ever done in that event. In the more recent Nations League, they finished in third place in their top league group. We'll get more into what the Nations League is all about another time when that comes around again. Suffice to say, it wasn't a really good uh, performance for them in the matches. Uh, They averaged scoring just one goal per match, and they gave up twice as many. And then one final note for international competition, they won gold. I believe the only time they've ever won an international competition, that was at the 1972 Munich Olympics. Team's current form while heading into the World Cup, 2-1-3 and is their record, or rather 2-1-0, and I should say, in three recent friendlies. They lost to Netherlands, no shames there, but they beat two pretty good teams in Chile and Wales. Key players to look for, no surprise, the aforementioned Robert Lewandowski striker uh, plays for Barcelona now. He had been over with Bayern Munich for forever and a day, left them at long last under uh, sort of shaky terms, to be perfectly honest. He's got 135 national team appearances to his credit, and he has scored 76 goals. Look for him close to goal. He is a poacher, but he is capable of holding up play as well. He's not just waiting on uh, crosses or uh, mistakes from the other team. He can also get his teammates involved. A player that folks might be a little bit less familiar with, their vice captain, Camille Gleek. Uh, center back, 34-year-old veteran on the defensive side, plays for Benevento, with la- which last year got relegated to Serie B over in Italy. He spent the heart of his career with uh, AS Monaco uh, back when they were pretty darn good, and Torino in Italy as well. He is exceptional in the air, and he's really mobile for a tall guy as well. Oh, and we do have a USA connection in Carol Swidarski. He's a striker, basically probably backs up Lewandowski. He plays for Charlotte in Major League Soccer currently. He came over from one of the big three in Greece, P-A-O-K. 18 national team appearances and eight goals since last year. So when he has gotten to play in place of Lewandowski, he has made the most of his minutes. I don't think that he got to play at all in their match against Mexico. 
And now the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, they are known as the Green Falcons and the Arabian Falcons, but you get the idea. They are ranked number 51 worldwide by FIFA, which is the lowest of the six national teams that qualified from Asia and the second lowest overall ranked team in the World Cup. Nevertheless, in what's being described perhaps as the greatest upset in World Cup history, they came back from nil one down very late to beat Argentina 2-1. to one. Argentina hadn't lost in forever and a day. They qualified by winning their five-team qualification group by five points over Uzbekistan with a 22-4 goal differential. And then in the next qualification round, they beat Japan by one point in that group stage that had six teams in it. And that's the one that actually qualified them for the World Cup. They had a 15-4 goal differential against that tougher competition group in 10 matches. They are coached by uh, Harry Renard, who's been here since 2019. Uh, he's been with uh, Morocco, coached their national team for a bit, and Lille, one of the really good teams over in France before that. Interesting side note, this isn't that uncommon when you get to the Middle East countries. Every single player on their roster, I believe even all of their recent call-ups, all play for Saudi clubs. They do not export a ton of players, or at least they're good ones, apparently. They qualified for the 2018 World Cup group stage, but went winless, and they had missed the previous two World Cups. Their first appearance was in 1994. They made the round of 16, and that's the best they've ever done. They have won three Asian championships, although for a team that's uh, you know qualifying and doing so well, I'm surprised they haven't won it more recently, 1996. 2019, their most recent appearance, they made the round of 16. Key players to look for? Well, let's talk about the ones that scored goals against Argentina. We have uh, Saleh Al-Sheri. He's a striker, plays for Club Al-Hilal, 21 national team appearances, and he scored 11 goals in those. Atletico Madrid had the rights to him back in 2013, but he never made any appearances for the senior or the reserve team, I believe. And then the other player to look for, at least based on his performance in the Argentina upset. The other goal scorer, Salem Aldasari, left winger, also plays for Al Hilal. One time he got loaned to Villarreal, but he only made one appearance, and I believe that's his only European experience. 69 national team appearances. This is a guy who, if he's not one of their captains, perhaps he should be because he's got a lot of experience and he scored 17 goals. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three friendlies heading into the Cup. Match number three. England once again, but this time not the national team. In fact, we're going to head for England itself for the second round of the FA Cup. No new teams are entering at this round. 40 teams are participating in this round, and one of them is our new adoptee. There is only one team left from all the way down in the amateur ranks of the seventh tier of the English pyramid. That is Alva Church, and they have drawn a road match against Forest Green Rovers, which you can catch on ESPN Plus at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Let's go minnow watching. Forest Green Rovers, a uh, yeah, lions are not our favorite, and they have both a lion and a unicorn on the crest. So 50% okay-ish and 50% boo, get more original. They play out of the town of Nailsworth in County uh, Gloucestershire. That's in the central part of the country, kind of central southwest. Real small town, only about 6,000, which originally known uh, for uh, their small mill that they had there and brewing. Lots of beer. 
The current owner made it the first ever vegan club. They've got an eco-friendly stadium. In fact, FIFA named this the greenest club in the world. Putting all they do together, they consider themselves to be carbon neutral. In fact, last year, this was interesting. I think it was only for one match, but they played in a kit that was made from uh, various recycled products and coffee grounds. They even have a robot mower. I'm not sure how green that really keeps them, but it is kind of interesting. And the stadium that they're looking to have built, they're planning on using all wood for it. Just absolutely fascinating how that's going to get designed. Currently, they are in League One. They climbed up to League Two, which is the fourth level in the English Pyramid, in 2017. And then last year, they won that one to now climb up to League One, the third tier. They made the third qualifying round of this event, or not qualifying, excuse me, the third round of this event, both in 2008, 2009, and the following year as well. In the first round, where they enter the competition this year, they've already played a seven-tier team, one called South Shields that we talked about last year, I vaguely remember, and uh, and beat them nil two on the road. Uh, the best chance to see how they're doing, I think, overall is to look at their league play. And this year in the league season, yikes, they are in dead last. Might have bitten off more than they could chew climbing up the league one. Uh, they've got the 22nd, which I believe is third from the bottom, uh, offense of the league. They're not even getting a, ma- a goal per match at that level. The defense is a little bit better as far as the ordinal ranking, but they're still giving up uh, pretty much two goals per match on the dot. Best player that they've had going is Corey O'Keefe, Irishman, who plays right midfielder for them. Has yet to score, but he's got six assists. Uh, he even repped for a couple of uh, levels for Ireland uh, for their national team. Good dribbler, excellent tackler. That's what I want you to be looking for if you catch this on ESPN, the Plocho, as me and the management call it. Uh, team's current form, 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three. But now, who we really are covering this for, Alva Church. They play out of Worcestershire County, which is in the central part of the country. It's about 10 miles south of Birmingham population, about 6,500. Less so now, but historically, this is a place that's been known for its agriculture, particularly orange, excuse me, orchard fruit. I doubt it included oranges, but maybe, and hops. They play in the seventh tier, as I mentioned before, in a league called the Southern Premier League Division Central. So even if they were to get promoted, they would still be under the umbrella of the Southern Premier League. A uh, small claim to fame, Aston Villa, which is now in the Premier League, they once paid 34,000 British pounds for a player from down at this level from the team. I don't think he made any noise once he got there, but I thought that was a fun side note. This team made the third round of this event, but that was all the way back in 1973-74. They beat League One number 15 team uh, Cheltenham Town 1-2 in the first round. So they're not going to be afraid of this team at all. They've beaten a team that they believe is better. Uh, They entered all the way back at the first qualifying round, which is really the third qualifying round. Uh, So basically, I want to tell you that they've won five matches so far. They're on a really good roll. Uh, in this event. Their league play, kind of like their counterparts today, uh, they're not doing so well. In the uh, 2022-23 league version, they have, uh, now they're in 20th place, but it is worth mentioning that they have four to six matches in hand against most of the teams because they keep having to 
postpone league matches based on their FA Cup schedule. Based on the number of points per game, uh, this is pretty close to an average club in the league. I don't think they're going to get relegated by any means, but neither are they going to be up for a promotion anytime soon. Uh, They've been getting one and a half goals or a little bit better than that on offense, but they're giving up just as much on defense. Team leading scorer with four on the season so far, Jed Abbey, 20 years old midfielder, who Wolverhampton fans might have a chance of remembering him. A couple years back, he played for their under-18 team. Team's current form, 2-1-0 in their last three. Uh, They just lost to 10th place Hitchentown in their league. There's another fun name. Match number four. Still Saturday, still in Europe, but we're flying far to the east of the Republic of Georgia, where the top flight is called the Erov Nuli Liga. It's ranked just number 47 in all of Europe, but the fact that it's down in the coefficients does not stop us here at Team New from paying it a visit, because if the drama is high and the stakes are high, and it's late in the season in particular, it is definitely on our radar, and there are only two matches left in this season. Uh, this league only gets the minimum European burst there, Winner will, of course, get to go to the Champions League, and then their next two teams in the table, when all is said and done, will go to the tertiary tournament, the Europa Conference League. All these teams will have to start all the way back in the first qualifying round. Again, just two matches left, though. And the key matchup for them this weekend, number three, Sam Garali Skaltubo, playing host to number one, Dinamo Tbilisi. Now, uh, Dinamo, they lead the other big Dinamo in Georgia, Dinamo Batumi, by three points in the table. But it's worth noting that Batumi have a seven-goal differential advantage. So if they can make up those three points, then they would end up leapfrogging them in the standings. Meanwhile, Sam Garali, uh, Skaltubo, they lead a team in fourth place called Dila Gori by one point and four on goal differential. The point all being things are very, very tight in the table. As far as the series between these two, Samgarali have had the better of it in recent seasons, accruing a 3-3-1 and record. This season, uh, Dinamo Tbilisi only managed to earn a nil-nil draw at home. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Samgarali Skaltubo, I'm going to have to shorten that up, they only managed a 1-1 draw at home. And then when they played most recently, because this isn't a league with like 20 teams like some of the other Western European ones, Dinamo Tbilisi, they won 3-0 in their most recent one. And we wonder if that momentum can carry over. Let's talk about the host, Sam Garali. Uh, now, the town, uh, Skaltubo, that's in the west central part of the country. And I do mean town, not city. It's only got about 12,000 people. It's famous for its mineral water spas, uh, particularly they've got like uh, 90 to 95 of them in opera. No, I'm sorry. The temperature naturally without any artificial heating is between 90 and 95 degrees. That's what my note meant. Uh, one of them kind of a claim to fame or claim to infamy. There is a freeze of Stalin at the one that he used to visit back in his day. This is not an area that is popular as it was decades ago. Footy wise, they won the Georgian Soviet League, which was uh, the Division One at the time, three different times in the 1980s. Uh, between 2017 and 2020, this team was in the second division and even at least one season down in the third division. So it's really something that they're competing for a title so soon. Last year, they finished in seventh place. 
this year, they're number three on offense, but they're way behind. They're not in the class of the top two. They are getting over one and a half goals per match. Uh, defense, uh, it's a top four in the league. Good for the overall number three goal differential. This is not a favorite of mine to win the league, but I still think that they're having a fine year. Key player for them, second best in league scoring with 12 on the season, is Arakli uh, Rukhadzi, plays midfielder for them. Team's current form is 4-2-0 in their last six, no losses, but they also haven't had any clean sheets in their last four matches. Now, Dinamo Tbilisi. Tbilisi is the capital of the country. The team has 18 league titles, which is the most in the nation's history. They last won it two years ago. Uh, also, they uh, in the 60s and 70s, once each, they won the Soviet top league, the Division I in all of Soviet-era Russia. So this is a team with some real history. 2004-2005, they made the group stage for the only time in their history uh, internationally in what is now the Europa League. 2022-23, this year, they lost in the first qualifying round of the Europa Conference League to a team from Estonia. They got there by last year, finishing in second place. This year, they've got the second-best offense and defense. And again, this is really statistically, at least, looked like it should have been a two-horse race. Tied for number four in league scoring with 10 is Osmani Kamara from Guinea, a 23-year-old player. And then also tied with the same number of goals is Stanislav uh, Belenki. He is a Ukrainian midfielder. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in 15. Although, little tiny chink in the armor, they just did only manage a draw at home versus number eight, Tel Aviv. Match number five. We continue our Saturday match much farther east, well outside the confines of Europe, visiting the C-League, that is the Premier League in Cambodia, which is ranked number 31 of the 47 AFC League associations. In fact, the champion will not get to go to the Champions League. They will be going to the secondary tournament, which is more designed for, uh, let's call them smaller or up, potentially up-and-coming countries in Asia, then they get to start in the playoff round for that event. There are only two matches left in the season, so the stakes are getting high for number one, Visaka, and number B, Phnom Penh Crown. And the number one team is playing host for the match we're looking at. Uh, Visaka lead the crown. And number three, Zve Riang by three points. So there are two teams breathing down their neck. Uh, Phnom Penh Crown do have the tiebreaker over Zve Riang on head-to-head, even though their goal differential isn't as good. That is not the first tiebreaker for this particular league. Uh, Phnom Penh Crown, they won in their most recent match 4-3 to three in a shootout versus Visaka that they got to host. Earlier in the season, Visaka won 1-2 to two on the road. And uh, had a three to one, or excuse me, they lost one to two. They had a three to one win at home, and then uh, the crown they managed a two two draw. They've been playing each other a bunch. Let's talk about Visaka first. They are also actually playing out of the capital of Phnom Penh. Actually, five of the teams, which I believe is half the league, is from right there in the capital city. They don't all play in the same stadium, though. This one plays in one called Prince Stadium. It is the largest in the city by quite a bit, actually, with 15,000 capacity. In fact, you will find next year that the Southeast Asian Games will be held there. The club is a very young one, founded in 2016, and they are known as the Blue Horse. Not a ton of blue on their crest, to be perfectly honest, but what is their accenting? It really does make it quite a beautiful crest. They've made two AFC Cup appearances, both of which were in the last two years. 
Last year, they finished in second place in their group in a three-way, or no, uh, they finished in second place. They were in a three-way tie for the group stage title, but they uh, didn't get uh, to first place because of tiebreakers and therefore did not advance, unfortunately. They've had a bit better luck in their FA Cups recently in Cambodia. Yeah, they have those everywhere. They won it in both 2020 and the following year, back-to-back. They haven't been in the top league real long because they're such a young club, obviously, but they did hoist a league trophy. They won the second division in 2017. Last year, they finished in third place in this league. Taking a look at their stats on the league, and this is true for all the teams that are in the top three that we've talked about. They're all pretty much the same on offense, scoring a little bit over two goals per match and giving up just a little bit over one goal per match. And interestingly, it's actually Svein Riang, who might be the most talented team if you look at goal differential. They've got the best one, not either of the top two teams. Key players to look for in this match. Number four league scorer with a dozen on the season is Brazilian forward Paulo Victor. Yeah, you'll find the Brazilians everywhere. These teams tend to only be allowed uh, in a lot of parts of Asia, like uh, anywhere from, oh, I don't know, one to maybe as many as four foreigners per roster. And oftentimes I think it's closer to that one. And oftentimes you'll find it to be a Brazilian, occasionally an Argentinian. But Brazil, they really seem to have mastered the art of exporting their players at various levels throughout all the continental confederations. Tied for number three in league assists with seven is Lee J. Gunn from South Korea. He also plays forward. European footy fans, I challenge you to know his name, but I did note that he started his senior career with the Division Four Belgian club that I'm not even sure I can pronounce correctly, Royale Union Tubiz, T-U-B-I-Z-E, hyphen brain b-r-a-i-n-e yeah i don't know either uh team's current form they have one four straight although they've only kept one clean sheet over that bunch and now Phnom Penh crown a little bit of an older club founded in 2001 they are known as the red singer although i think the a might be silent it might just be pronounced red sing and that is a mythical golden lion now because they actually have a reason in their culture to name this the lion i'm going to give this a pass plus it's red and it's pretty cool they've had a bunch of names in their moderately brief uh history one of the most interesting ones uh and they only had it for one year i believe in 2005 they were known as hello united fc I didn't find any details on it, but I would love to know why it was named that. They've won the league title seven times in their 21-year history, and they are your league defending champions. Twice they've been uh, to the AFC Cup. They finished in third place last year, and that is the best that they have ever done. They've got the third best defense and third best goal differential, but like I said, everything's pretty even between the top three. Key player. Number three in league scoring with 17 on the season is a guy, a dual national between Afghanistan and Finland named Farid Sadat, 23-year-old forward. Born in Afghanistan, but his family moved to Finland as a teenager. He repped at the national team youth level there, but then when he got a little bit older, he switched to the Afghanistan national team, and he's just made a couple of appearances for them since 2019. Uh, Finnish fans have a chance of recognizing his name. Certainly he played for Lati and Ulo, uh, not two of the better teams over there, but they were both top flight last I looked at least. Tied for number five in assists with six is Andres Nieto from Colombia, an attacking midfielder. And then they've got tied for the best goalkeeper in the league in terms of clean sheets with eight. That is Savang Samnang. Team's current form, they are six, one, and oh in their last seven. 
tryptophan may make the rest of us tired, but by gosh, it cannot keep the kitties down. They want a recap of last week's matches. Match number one from last week was a Saturday match, the FA Cup Finals from Singapore between Hogang United and Tampines Rovers, and it was Hogang getting a 3-2 win. Man, we said to look for Christian Krychek had a hat trick. All three of the goals, opening goal, equalizer, and the game winner. It was quite the dramatic match. What's interesting is he's normally an assists guy. Match number B from Guatemala's Liga Nacional. We thought it was going to be a Saturday match, but it actually ended up getting rescheduled to Wednesday between number one Antigua Guatemala and number B Comunicaciones. Guatemala and Tigua won it big 3-0 and with one match to play in the regular season. Congratulations to them on the title. Match number three. We looked at an international friendly for fun between two microstates, St. Lucia in the Caribbean and San Marino. And the losing or at least non-winning streak for San Marino continues. They lost nil or one nil to St. Lucia. Match number four from the Premier League in Ukraine was between number one Dnipro 1 versus number B historical powerhouse Shakhtar Donetsk. And the result was a win for the home side. Dnipro took a 2 1. Uh, the Stars came out to play for these two teams for Shakhtar Donetsk. Mikhailo Mudrik had the opening goal. For Dnipro, Alexander Pekalyanok had both a goal and an assist. And Artem Dovbik had a goal. Match number five from the FIFA World Cup. Qatar versus Ecuador kicked everything off in Ecuador 1-0-2. Man of the match possibility that we said to look for certainly was. He had both goals. That was Enner Valencia. Match number six from round eight of the Coupe de France. One of the four teams that was still left alive from the overseas territories of France. La Tamponaise out in the Indian Ocean. Played host to number five, FCM Aubervilliers from the fifth level. And we had an upset with La Tampanese winning 1-0. They will get a mainland match next week as they head into the event proper. Congratulations to them. White and Keith. Monday, match number seven, we return for more World Cup action, USA versus Wales. They played through a 1-1 draw, as I'm sure you knew. Wednesday, match number eight, where you may not have been as familiar with how things are going, a Liga of Lithuania. Number B, Hegelman took on number five, uh, Riterii, and the result was a 2-2 draw. We actually didn't give you much of a preview on that. We instead looked at a very interesting recipe for basically uh, pinkish-purple cold borscht beetroot soup called Schulte Barche. Mm. Match number nine for the Champions League women's side of things in Europe. Group stage. Number B, Roma, in their group took on number one, VFL Wolfsburg. Both are still with three matches to go, looking in fine position. They played to a 1-1 draw. For Roma, Valentina Giacinto, their star had a goal, and Eva Pior, she had a goal for Wolfsburg, one of their stars. Match number 10 from Nicaragua's Primera División. Number one, Darion Hen, and number B, Real Esteli, played to a nil-nil draw. We will be revisiting this thing. Two matches to go in the season, and these two lead Walter Ferretti by one. And then your three bonus matches with explanations coming up later. Saturday was your route of the week from the Premier League in Ghana, where last place Tamale said he took on number three, Asante Katoko. And it was uh, Tamale City getting a 2-1 win. And then your most meaningless match in the world from India's Super League. 
We had number six, Odisha FC, taking on number seven, Chennaiyan FC. And it was Odisha in quite the dramatic match, winning three to two. For Chennaiyan, uh, Petar uh, Sislovich had an assist, a guy we said to look for. Now, Chennaiyan got the equalizing goal on a penalty in the 94th minute, extra time, injury time. And then Odisha ended up getting the winning goal a minute later. And while Chennaiyan did not fall any further this season, suddenly Odisha might be on the just on the outskirts of the title race. Not so meaningless after all. They moved all the way up to number three. And then finally, your match of disappointment, a Saturday match from the women's side of things, Kavinda League in Denmark. Number seven, AGF took on last place, number eight, Sundby, and it was AGF getting a 1-0 win. AGF moved up to number six and out of the relegation zone for the moment. They've still got a couple more matches left to play. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's get back into tracking the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. We flip the calendar page to Sunday, and we're going to stay in the Southeast Asian region for the Vietnamese FA Cup final. The winner of this will get uh, an AFC Champions League playoff round berth, so just one match shy of the group stage. But unfortunately, it's really going to be all but impossible for us to do a realistic preview because based on when we're recording this, the semifinals haven't been played yet, so there's four teams still alive. So instead, we're going to make this our culture break, and uh, we'll tell you who won the whole event next week during our recap. But now for a bit of folklore, a story. Trong Cao beat and threw out his wife, T. Ni, one day. She wandered the land until she found a new husband, Lang Fan. Trong Cao felt great remorse for what he had done and wandered the land looking for his wife until he was begging for food. And then one day, he knocked on what ended up being the door of Tini. Her love for him remained, so she invited him in for food. But soon, her new husband, Fan Lang, was returning. Tini hid Trong Kao under a sack of straw. Unfortunately, Fan Lang came home because he needed ashes for his field and set the straw on fire. Out of love and to protect her virtue, Trong Kao stayed silent in the flames and died. Ti Ni was so distraught that her former husband's love for her had caused his death that she threw herself on the flames and also perished. And then Pham Lang, in turn, was so distraught at not knowing his why, had, why his wife had just chosen to commit suicide, he threw himself on the flames and died. Now, the king of the gods pitied all three of them and changed them forever into three hearthstones. And they are what are now known as the kitchen gods or kitchen god, depending on the sorts you're looking at. They're kind of uh, considered a three-in-one deal. At the end of every year, a household's kitchen gods ride on a giant carpet to set up to heaven to discuss each family's uh, ongoing lives with the god king. They are individually known as the gods of cooking, family affairs, and market shopping. And so while you may have come here for footy, well, by gosh, you're leaving with a whole bunch of dead people that now ride a giant carp to heaven.
Match number seven. And actually, that little bit of mythology is it for the weekend. We move on to Monday, match number seven, and back a bit closer to home, Nicaragua, for a match out of the Primera División. Now, this is the number 11 ranked league in CONCACAF, at least according to the resource I like to use, Kick Algorithms. And this is the last match of the Apertura or opening stage, or will be. Six of the 10 teams, by the way, are going to make the league playoffs. The top two teams will get buys. Right now, there is a three-way tie for number one. And when this gets played, two, ma- two more matches will have been played between the time I scouted it and the time I- that this gets played. So the standings may have shaken up a little bit by then, but right now, this looks like one doozy of a match. One Number one, Darion Hen, playing host to number three, Walter Ferretti. Darion Hen lead Real Esteli, the second-place team, by four on goals scored. They're even tied on goal differential and had to go down to that one for a tiebreaker. And then both of those teams, they lead Walter Ferretti by nine on goal differential. So again, they've all got the same number of points. When they played earlier this season, Darion Hen got a road win one to two. They are known as the Caciques or bosses or chiefs. Uh, They were founded in 1917, oldest club in the country and one of the oldest in all of Central America play out of the city of Diriamba, which is in the southwest, about 20 miles south of Managua, the capital, city of about 70,000. Coffee, tourism, both big deals there. And in fact, you can take a lot of different tours of a lot of coffee plantations there, which I think would be interesting to do. Or you could choose to see one of the many native first people uh, folklore festivals. This area is sort of the capital for that type of activity within the country. They play this at Estadio Cacique Dirian Hen, which seats about 7,500 people. It's also the national team's home stadium, probably the biggest in the country. The Caciques have won the domestic title 30 different times. The last completed stage, 2021-22 Clausura stage, they won by five points in the regular season over Real Esteli, and then they beat Walter Freddy for the playoff title on penalty kicks. As you can see, there's really a big three here in Nicaragua, and it's the ones we've been talking about. They've had the best offense on the regular season, getting almost two goals per match. Uh, Number three defense, but it really has been very good. They're giving up less than a goal per match and have tied for the best, of course, overall goal differential. Number six league scorer for them from Argentina is Junior. Not sure if it's Ortega or uh, Arteaga. In any case, he plays midfielder for them, 22 years old. Team's current form, they have won four straight matches, but haven't kept a single clean sheet in the last six. Bit of a running theme for some of the successful teams uh, during this episode so far. And now Walter Ferretti, they do play out of the capital city of Managua, much younger club founded in the 1980s. Originally they were, and they might still be affiliated with the national police, but their actual name was uh, Direccion General de la uh, Policia Sandinista. Uh, Walter Ferretti, who founded the club and presumably was directly involved, you know, part of the police, he died in a car accident just four years after the club was founded. And then by 1991, three years later, they had changed the name of the club to Walter Ferretti after him. They've won four league titles. Most recent one was 2016, uh, rather, and they won last year's FA Cup. 2021-22 Clausura stage, they finished in third place in the regular season. And then, as we mentioned, lost to Dirian Hen in the playoff final. 
Uh, if they don't win it, uh, it's going to be largely because of their offense. They've only been getting one and a third goals per match. That's not even in the top half of the league. The defense has been uh, a little bit better. They are giving up a goal per match in what is not really that high scoring of league, to be perfectly honest. Third best goal differential. I don't think they're going to be able to get it done on the road, quite frankly. Nevertheless, uh, number four league scorer, who I'm sure would disagree with me, he's netted it nine times this year, is Francisco Ramos, who we've got a little USA connection here, started his professional career with Rio Grande Valley, which is in the second division in the United States, the Championship League. Now, by the way, this is not the same Fernandez, even though he's got the same name uh, that Bruno, uh, it's not the same Ramos, rather, that Bruno Fernandez, a famous player for Man United, wanted to come over. That was a different Francisco Ramos. So this is not a whatever happened to sort of thing. Teams current form, they are 4-1-0 in their last five. They've been getting their best results from low-scoring matches. So I really look for them to try to keep this to uh, maybe a nil one win in their favor if they can get it. Match number eight. It seems like so many weeks we don't have any Monday matches. But we've got another important one this particular week. We're headed to the nation of Cyprus. Top flight there is called the First Division, and this is the 22nd ranked league in all of UEFA. They just got passed by Israel. They're still a little bit ahead of Sweden. Winner will get to go to the Champions League, of course, as will their second place team, though neither one will get to start in the group stage. And they'll also send a couple of teams to the Europa Conference League. And they won't have to start in the first qualifying round either. This has been a bit of a up-and-coming league the last couple, three years. Your matchup is number B, Aris Limassol, versus number one, Paphos. Paphos currently lead by four. And then Aris Limassol, in turn, they lead the famous team Apoel by one more point. So we've still got a fine league race going there. Now, Aris Limassol. Uh, Limassol is... The second biggest city in the country, major metro area, has about a quarter of a million people. It's on the southern coast, kind of south-southeast. It's a big port for the country and is very famous for its wine production. The team is known as the Light Brigade. The fans are known as the 300 of Leonidas, which that's just a neat reference. This is uh, There are several teams in the Limassol area, and this is the smallest one of those. So they've kind of taken on that underdog role with the Leonidas reference. However, that may not be the case much longer. They had a Russian investor came in last year, and he's planning on pumping in a fair amount of money. And uh, clearly they're already doing okay being in this position in the league. They've won the second division in Cyprus several times. Most recently, 2012-13, they got themselves promoted. 1988-89, they finished in second place in the top flight, and that's the best they've ever done. So they've never gotten the league title. Last year, they finished in fourth place, which was good enough to get them to the Europa Conference League, but they lost uh, in their very first round to Nefshi Baku out of uh, Azerbaijan. In league play this year, the offense is where their bread has been getting better. They're getting over two goals per match. That's good for second best in the league, and they've got a top four defense to go with it. Uh, tied for number three in scoring in this league is a Swedish Right winger named Leo Bengston. He's got four goals. Uh, also, Alexander Kokorin, a Russian player that they have. He's got just as many. He's here on loan from Italian club Fiorentina, but he's scheduled to go back there in June after this European season. Team's current form, they are 4-1-0 in their last five, but the theme raises its ugly head once again. They haven't kept a clean sheet in their last four. And now Paphos, the club is spelled P-A-F-O-S, 
but uh, the town and the region are actually spelled with a PH in the middle instead of the, instead of the F kind of interestingly. It's in the Southwest coastal area. City proper has only about 30,000 people. Uh, the major metro area and surrounding area, probably still shy of a hundred thousand. It's about 30 miles to the West of Limassol. So this is a pretty small Island. They really rely on tourism here uh, economically. And in fact, about half of the population of the town proper works for just one of the four major resorts. If I'm remembering my notes correctly. Club is a fairly young one. They were founded in 2014, although they were a merger of uh, two of the city's bigger clubs. Their crest is a really interesting one because it's got a depiction of a historical young figure named uh, Evagoras uh, Palakarides, I believe it's pronounced, in the late 1950s when they were still uh, dealing with the British. Uh, rebelling against them, the British executed this uh, Greek Cypriot poet youngest guy that they executed the entire time that they had some measure of control there. And so now he is sort of a folkloric figure of eternal youth. And so it's really nice that he's been remembered by this particular club. This is a team that's come up twice to division one in recent years. They most recently got promoted in 2016, 17 last year, they finished in sixth place. So this is another team that's sort of in rarefied airs. They're undefeated right now with a 26 and three goal differential worth noting that Applewell's defense has been just as good. They've only given up three goals as well, but they've also only scored just 12. They've been kind of parking the bus this year, so to speak. This team has the number one league scorer on their hands with seven on the year so far. Another Brazilian, the singularly named uh, Jairo, or it might be Jairo, J-A-I-R-O. He spent at the heart of his career uh, with a different European team over in Croatia, Hajduk Split. Team's current form, they have won seven straight matches. Match number nine. And now we're on to Tuesday for our third and final World Cup match that we're going to be discussing this week. They'll still, of course, be in the group stage, and it is the second USA match for this particular one. USA versus Iran, 2 p.m., Fox or Telemundo. That's how you can catch it, and again, that's Eastern time. And guess what, person new? What? If the U.S. want to get out of the group stage, remember, groups of four, like you explained last week in your teachable moment, and the top two get to advance, the U.S. need to beat Iran. But if they do beat Iran, I believe that this guarantees that they, along with England, will get to move forward. So, USA! USA! Yeah. Yeah, Okay. (laughs) I thought you might join me in the champ, but you know what? Good enough. Now, uh, we were going to have a, a different Twitter guest, just like last week. We had uh, Conca Gaff on Twitter graciously join us. But uh, due to, I think, our plans with our holiday travel and uh, then just not being able to reach this guy for the last few days, I'm sure it's holiday related. Unfortunately, sad face, the sad panda wears the sad pants, doesn't it? We don't have an interview guest. So I'm counting on you, person noob, to tell us everything you know about the U.S. men's national team. My brain is malfunctioning. Can you say Christian Pulisic? No, I cannot. (laughs) Well, he's their star. There, that's your preview. There are lots of places that you all are getting your USMNT information, and we're okay with that. But we are going to talk a little bit about Iran, because uh, we've discovered that uh, not a lot of the commentators, at least on Fox, seem to know a lot about these Asian teams. Now, Iran, they are ranked number 20 in FIFA worldwide, and they are the best Asian team here. 
In the AFC uh, qualifying tournament in the second qualifying round group stage, they beat Iraq by just one point in the table and they lost two matches, despite the fact that they had a 35 and four goal differential. So when they weren't absolutely blowing teams out, they were apparently having a little bit of trouble. Now that qualified them for the third qualifying round, which was another group stage. And then they won that by two points over South Korea. Obviously the competition was much stiffer at that level. And still they managed a 15 and four goal differential in just 10 matches. They have made six World Cup appearances, including having qualified for the last two, but they have yet to reach the knockout stage. In terms of the Asian Championships, they've won that title three times. The most recent one was 1976, which I find very surprising for the top-ranked team in all of Asia that has been that long since they've won the Confederation title. And not that they haven't qualified lots of times and done pretty well. They've just never gotten to hoist the trophy. For example, the last iteration, 2019, they made it all the way to the semifinal. This year in their opening match, they got to play England, and boy, did they get stomped two to six. And in some ways, it wasn't even that close. Now, person, here's why here's why I'd like you to help me out because I don't know how to say these names. This is the captain of their team. How would you say this? Isan Hajfasi. Yeah, that's as close as I Isan can come, Hajfasi. I think. Isan Hajfasi. Yeah, sure. He plays left back uh, midfielder with uh, AEK Athens. Unlike a lot of Middle Eastern teams, Iran actually does have uh, some players on their national team playing abroad. He's a bit of a utility player. Not not that he's not starting, but he plays a ton of different different positions. Left back is where he normally plays for club, but I think he does from midfield when he's with the national team. And then uh, their big star, uh, he plays for the biggest European f- club for them. Person who is this guy. Do you know how to say this? his name? Mehdi Taremi. I think that's really, really good. Uh, he scored both goals versus England in that big loss. He plays center forward for them. And he plays for Porto, one of the big three over in Portugal, where he's got six goals and five assists on the league season. Even though he's something like 29 or 30 years old, P. Noob, I think that he is going to be moving on to the big, big money over in La Liga or maybe even Premier League over in England. Team's current form, they are 2-1-0 in their last three friendlies heading into this event. It's a fine-looking team, but we are certainly hoping that the USA can advance to the group stage and knock Iran out. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! Wednesday, match number 10, back to Europe one more time for the 39th-ranked league association in the continent. Say hello to the Premier League of Armenia. Just like all the league associations down at this part of the coefficients, they only get the minimum for their international berths. But once again, they've got a great race going on. Number one, Urartu. They're going to be playing host to number B, Ararat, Armenia. Currently, Urartu's lead is five. The series, though, has been very... Uh, even the last couple three seasons, they've each got a three, three, and three record against the other. When they played earlier this season at Ararat Armenia, it was Urartu that got the nil one win. Can they do it twice in a row? As always, we'll talk about the hosts first. The Proud Lions. Boo, why be proud of such a cliche mascot? That is Urartu for you. They play out of the capital city of Yerevan in what is called the uh, Malaysia Sabashia District, uh, which is also known uh, colloquially there as Bangladesh. Uh, The district 
is actually, which is in the western part of the metro, is named for two now modern-day Turkish towns back when the border was different. And by the way, if you're wondering about the club name itself, Urartu is the name of an Iron Age kingdom, which was also known as Van, V-A-N, which is the name of another club in this league. Uh, they'll be hosting this at their home stadium that seats nearly 5,000 people. They've only won the league title one time, 2013-2014. Uh, but they have played in 30 European competitive matches of various tournaments. They've only won four matches, though, between uh, Champions League and Europa League and such. Last year, they finished in just fifth place in the league. This year, their defense has just been amazing. They've only given up 10 goals in 17 matches. They're one of two teams in the league doing that. And they've also got an offense that is top two in the league as well. Tied for number five in scoring in the country with six is Dimitro Klobas from Ukraine. Uh, six years he spent with, admittedly, a much not one of the stronger clubs, I don't believe, but in a stronger league, uh, Dinamo Kiev. And then also with the same number of goals, they've got a Russian player named Maxim Mirovich. And that makes this team very tough to stop. The fact that they've got two guys that they could rely on for the lion's share of their offense, pun intended. Team's current form, they are 10-2-0 in their last dozen. And now Ararat Armenia, with or without the hyphen, I've seen it both ways. They also play out of the capital, Yerevan, founded in 2017. They've won the league title, though, already twice, uh, 2018-19 and 2019-2020 seasons. In their brief European international competition history, they are 7-2-5. and five. Last year, they finished in second place, which meant they got to go to the Europa Conference League. This year... They've got the number one offense going. They're the only team scoring over two goals per match. And they're the other team that has only conceded 10. So even on the road, I think this has to be your favorite. They should at least get a result uh, on this uh, Wednesday. They've got the second best league score with nine on the year in Hugo Firmino, Portuguese player, attacking midfielder, who uh, for a time played for one of the weaker but still Division I clubs in Portugal, Gil Vicente. Team's current form, they are 5-2-0 in their last seven, but they've only gotten draws in two of their last three. Bring forth the bonus matches! Even with the World Cup going on, still probably my favorite part of the show, in large part because you, the listener, have had a chance to help decide what the matches were going to be for these three very unique bonus matches. You can find me on Twitter each and every week putting up the candidate match polls. I'm Soccer Noob USA there. The first match that you have graciously selected for is a first versus last place game that we call the... Route, 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 route of... Of, 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 the week, 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 week. And it is a Saturday match from the National League of New Zealand, where they are in the last match of the National League season. Now, the reason I phrase that that way is because most of the season when they were all playing double round robins was at the regional level. There are three regional leagues that play in New Zealand each year. And then depending on the strength of the league, two to four of those teams get to move on to this single round robin, quote unquote, 
National League. Now, the number one and two teams have already qualified for the OFC Champions League. By the way, that stands for the Oceanic Football Confederation. The regular season is nearly done, and we already know who the top two are going to be. There's no relegation from the National League level. All of that was handled at the regional level. This match is going to be played in Auckland, and it pits number 10, last place Miramar, against number one, Wellington Olympic. Miramar, they trail Napier City in second to last place by two points. And by the way, Napier City have already finished their regular season, so it's still possible for Miramar to get out of the basement. When they played this year, uh, Wellington Olympic have had the better of it. They got a 1-0 uh, win at their place because uh, they play the same regional league. And then Miramar uh, managed a 2-2 draw when they played at home. Wellington Olympic, by the way, beat Miramar by five for the Central League title. So Miramar is in last place now, but just by virtue of the fact that they got the National League means they're pretty good. Can't count them out here. They play out of the Wellington suburb of Miramar, which is just southwest of the uh, city center by maybe about six, seven miles. They have won three National League titles, all in the 2000s, even though the club is 115 years old. Now, last year they had the regional leagues, but they did not do the National Leagues because of COVID. Things were really, really strict there as far as travel. So instead, after their uh, regional season, they had something called uh, the South Central Series, which is a single round robin, I believe between five teams, and they beat Wellington Olympic in the final of that seven to two. So the Olympians are going to be looking to get their revenge here, certainly. As far as this current National League, the problem has largely been the offense. So we're only getting one and a quarter goals per match in a pretty high scoring league, to be perfectly honest. I mean, the fact that they give up two and two thirds goals per game, and it only puts them at number seven defensively in the ordinal rankings tells you what to need to know. Uh, And they have the worst goal differential going, by the way. Their score and what little they get has come at the feet largely of Sam Mason-Smith. He's managed it five times. He is an English player who's actually spent his whole career in New Zealand, except, interestingly, for one year that he spent with a club called Stellenbosch over in South Africa. Team's current form, they've lost three straight matches, managing just a three-and-eight goal differential. And now Wellington Olympic. They play out of the suburb of... Beerham Poor of Wellington. It's just south of there by a couple of miles. And you can guess this by the fact that they are known as Olympic. They are known as the Greeks. The club was founded by Greeks. And in fact, a lot of the players that still play for them are of that heritage. They are the three-time Central League champions and the two-time league defending champions. They've had the number one offense going by quite a bit, scoring over three goals per match. And the number one defense are the only team letting in less than one goal per game. So they've got the best goal differential going by a factor of two. I think that even on the road that they are not going to have a difficult time against Miramar. They've just been struggling. Second best scorer in the league is theirs to boast of. He's got seven on the national season. That is Gianni Basokis. He normally plays defender, but he must move up quite a bit as a wingback to be getting that many goals. Team's current form, while here in the National League part of the season, they lost their first match against number three, Auckland City, and that is their only loss out of the whole bunch. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring.
And this is a very special, most meaningless match because we had more votes for this particular match and for one particular pair of teams than we have ever had in the history of the show. There is an English English language Luxembourg Twitter account who got wind that we had two of their teams in the most meaningless match. One of their followers uh, was not real happy, didn't think anybody should be voting. But in fact, again, we had a record number. And I want to make it clear because there seemed to be some confusion. We do not typically make too much fun of the teams in the most meaningless match. Who are they? Well, it doesn't matter what size the country they're from. The fact that Luxembourg is, you know, a very small duchy, a microstate, is not what makes it a most meaningless match. What does is the fact that the two participants are smack dab in the middle of the table, or at the very least, they are more or less equidistant from any of the international bursts that the top teams from the league will get. And they're also very safe from the relegation zone. So your matchup is from the National Division of Luxembourg. It is a Sunday match. By the way, that's the uh, UEFA number 42 ranked league. So they still only get the minimum European league bursts. And then two teams are going to get relegated. Two teams will have to try to fight for their National Division lives in what are called relegation playoff matches. And these two teams probably don't have to worry about any of that. But that's not to say that it won't be a dramatic match. They are, after all, even though it's a meaningless match, quote-unquote, very equally skilled, it would seem. Number nine, Viltz 71, taking on number eight, Mondorf Liban. Now, uh, Viltz, they lead the two teams that are relegation playoff matches by four points each. Meanwhile, Mondorf, they lead Viltz by one, but they trail Racing Union in third place, which is the lowest team that would get an international berth by eight points. The series between these two, uh, Mondorf Liban, have had the best of it recently with a 5-0-3 record. And Personum, I know you join me in saying that we do not find these teams meaningless, only their particular pairing this particular day meaningless. Would that be a fair way to put it? Yeah. So let's applaud. We always celebrate, but you know what? We never really celebrate. We applaud the teams that are just fighting to finish in the top half of their league. You don't always have to win a trophy, do you? No. But that said, not everybody gets a trophy. We're not in favor of that for this generation. But it's okay to be... Meaningless. Meaningless. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know what that was about. Ooh. All right, let's talk about the teams. Uh, Viltz, that is a town in the northwest part of the country, about 6,000 people. River of the same name runs through there. History buffs will know this area well. This was a Battle of the Bulge site. Interestingly, depending on who was controlling it, obviously, uh, the local airfield got actually used by both sides of that war. Uh, this is also known as Martyr Town. As far as the etymology, it's Celtic for basically on the creek. So the Viltz River must not be a very large one. Uh, there's a big, cool local castle that I was looking at pictures of. I encourage you to Google it up. Uh, it's a retirement home right now. It was a girls' school, and it's got hundreds of rooms. This is not one of those castles that is, in fact, not really as big a deal once you get up close and away from the grand landscapes. It is impressive. Now, the ground they actually play at is in a little village in the Viltz area called, uh, see if I can get this right, 
uh, Weindingen, I believe. It's German, if memory serves the way it looks anyway. That area only has a population of about 130 people, but it's got a little claim to fame in that it's probably the only village in the country that doesn't have a church from what I read. Now, despite that the village only has 130 people, the stadium there, Stad am Pets, has a capacity of 3,000. I was looking at photos of this as well, and they have a gorgeous dark wood structure that uh, overhangs over the main central sideline seating. It was really very impressive. Now, footy-wise, 2005-2006, they finished in fifth place in the league, and that, I think, is the best they've ever done. Last year, they finished in 13th. This year, their offense is a little bit better than average. They're fun to watch. The defense has been a little bit of their bugaboo. They're only 10th best in that regard, giving up over one and three quarters goals per match. Team scoring leader to look out for with six on the year, Benjamin Romains. He is a Belgian 21-year-old. Team's current form, uh, they just suffered a 1-2 loss at number six, uh, Differdange, and that snapped a two-match winning streak. So they have been more or less moving the right direction, trying to get away from their quote-unquote meaninglessness. But now, Mandorf Leban, uh, that is a commune in town, both of the same name. It's in the southeast part of the country, about the same size, about 6,000. Uh, it's famous for having the only casino of all in Luxembourg. Now, I'm not exactly sure what the connection is or why she named it this, but my understanding is that one of the nieces of the famous historical military man, Charlemagne, gave this area its name. And uh, there's an abbey nearby, or at the very least what was an abbey. And uh, at the end of her life, she donated all of her stuff and her land to this abbey. So that's her connection there. The salty mineral waters in this area led to a lot of luxury hotels being uh, built there. They're very popular with the French. My guess is that because of all that is why there's a casino here as well. And yet an interesting side note on one of those, one of the hotels there, and again, a luxury hotel, was technically a prisoner of war camp. Uh, they would keep high-ranking Nazis there that were awaiting the Nuremberg trials. For some reason, I guess they still wanted to treat them to a touch of class. Not sure why. The club was founded in 1915. Last year, they finished in ninth place in the league. Uh, they don't have any official nickname, but the crest appears to have a goat that's sticking out of the head of a soccer ball, sort of in the foreground of the crest. I won't say I hate it, but I far from love it. Best thing I can say is very, very unique and worth a moment of your time to look up on your Google machine. Interesting side note, this is the only club in the league with absolutely no draws on the season. Uh, I don't think that they're, I think they're going to suffer a lot more losses than getting wins or draws going forward. I think they're lucky to be this high in the table. Uh, they don't have a top 10 offense or defense and their goal differential uh, is just tied for number 12 in the league. They do have uh, one pretty decent player on offense. Uh, he's got three goals on the year, team leader Bilal. Abdel Kados, he's from Algeria, plays midfielder for them. Team's current form, 1-0-3, oh, with just a 5-17 and 17 goal differential. I think they're really going to struggle on the road. And now it is time appropriately for the 13th match of the podcast, because we never end on notes of happiness or joy, but rather with scorn, wailing, and gnashing of teeth for two putrid cellar-dweller teams. Welcome to the fresh hell. That is the match of... Disappointed! And you selected a Tuesday match for which we will be making fun of two teams from Slovenia's Perva Liga. 
That is the top flight there. That's PRVA, by the way. This is the 31st ranked league in UEFA. No thanks to these two teams. They would be dragging it down even further. One of the 10 teams will get relegated. One of the teams will have to fight for their top division lives in a relegation playout. We won't even worry about the European burst because, by gosh, these two teams ain't going to get a sniff of that rose. Talking about number nine, Gorica, taking on last place, number 10, Tabor. Gorica currently lead them by five on goal differential. They trail number eight, uh, Radomali, by two. When they played earlier this season, Gorka got a road win 1-3 to three, and have had a little bit of a better record the last couple, three seasons, having uh, built up a 4-1-3 record. Oh, I mentioned Rose earlier, and I guess I must have had this stuck in my head. I'd forgotten. Just scroll down. Gorka are known as the Roses. Now, red is not one of their primary colors, but they do have red a red rose centered in their crest more or less this is an area that's uh nova gorica is where they're from and it's right on the italian border and in fact the club has a relationship with i believe now serie a b team parma nova gorica is a really interesting area because uh, essentially the metro area spans both sides of the italian border which has you know shifted over time historically so even though they're both governed by their own you know federal governments, the overall metro area actually has one local municipal government, which I think is interesting. And they've got a historical claim to fame here in Nova Gorka. Charles X and a whole bunch of his family and their staff are buried beneath a local monastery here, the last of the Bourbons. Footy-wise, they have won four league titles. Last one was a while back, 2005-2006. Oh, what has happened to them in the intervening years? They are so hideous. 2004-2005 Champions League, they actually won two ties before losing to AS Monaco out of the French League in the third qualifying round. Their last European appearance was the 2017-18 Europa League, where they advanced to the second qualifying round. Last year, they won the second division. 2018-19 was the first time they had ever been relegated. And they, so they, they went down, came up for a year, went back again, are now back up. And yes, as you can guess the pattern, it looks like it's going to uh, reveal, relive itself once again. They're probably going to get relegated. They've had tied for the worst offense. They're not even getting three quarters of a goal per match on average. That's one of the worst I've ever seen. The defense isn't a ton better. What very little offense they're getting, they've mostly been getting from an attacker named Etienne Velconia. I'm going to pronounce it. He's got four on the season. Uh, Cardiff City fans might recognize his name. They had the rights to him, but he only made a few senior appearances for them a couple years back. Team's current form, they have lost three straight matches with an atrocious one in nine goal differential. And now the equally stinky team of Tabor from the city of Sejana. That's just a little bit south of Nova Gorica, actually. It's also on the Italian border. Little town of about 6,000. Real touristy area. If you're into spelunking, there are three or four major caves or cave systems in this area that are worth seeing. Now, Tabor, where does that come from? Well, I believe based on the castle on their crest and one other thing I found that it means it makes reference to an encircling or fortified wall. They earned a promotion to Division One in 2019. That's their first time in the top flight since 2001. And actually, in the 2003-2004 season, they went bankrupt, had to be reformed under new leadership, and were made to start all the way back in the fourth tier 
of the pyramid. Hard to believe that they even have four tiers in a country this size, but there you go. The most recent trophy they've actually managed to win, their Halcyon Days, 2016-17, they won the third division. Last year in this league, they finished in ninth place, and oh, how they wish they were that high and could get to a match of meaninglessness now. Tied for the worst offense, and they own the worst defense, giving up almost two per match. It's not that high scoring of a league. Team league scorer for them with four on the year is Yakoslav Stankovic. I'll let you make your, own, make your own punchline about Stankovic here in this stinky match of disappointed. He is a 21-year-old midfielder who hopefully has bigger and better clubs ahead of him in his future. Team's current form, they have lost two straight matches, and that followed a rare win over number eight, Radomale, that they won at home 2-1. to one. And rather than wish these egg suckers good luck, we will instead shoo them away here at the end of the show in our typical heckling fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get them away. Hey, boo. boo. And that's a wrap on episode 111 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. Thank you very much to he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry to Dan, the Interno Inferno for all of his continued creative and inspiring efforts to my daughter, person. Thank you so much for waking us both up from our trypto fantastic nap. So we could do a little recording and get people the footy news from around the world that they crave. And thank you so much to you for listening. We hope you had a fantastic holiday weekend, have enjoyed your soccer week. It will get to follow some of these matches matches throughout the coming week. Until we can do it again in a few days, we hope you have yourselves a fantastic footy time. Take care.